Let's give the Lord a hand. Thank you. Welcome to Hebrews Greater Things. At the time of the writing of this book, there existed in the world Jews and Gentiles, pagans and religious folks, worshipers of Caesar and the pantheons of Roman and Greek gods, and worshipers of Almighty God, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Worshiping and honoring the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were Jews, that is, the Hebrews living in Israel, known as Palestine, a colony of the Roman Empire, and scattered throughout the Roman Empire were these Jews, these Hebrews. And also in their midst were Hebrews that had become believers, we would call them Messianic Jews, as well as proselytes and God-fearers. The Ethiopian eunuch was a proselyte, the God-fearer was Cornelius and his household, people that came into the New Covenant. And so the book is written to encourage Jews and Gentiles to come into the faith. It's based on the background of the Old Testament, so people that are familiar with it may be being tempted to going back to living under the lordship of the law rather than the lordship of Jesus because he's gone. We haven't seen him for years. We have these people telling stories. So the writer of this wonderful book writes about how Jesus and the new covenant are so much better than anything the world has to offer as well as better than the old covenant has to offer. It opens in the first two verses, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. And he goes on and tells some of the glorious facts about Jesus and how he's better than angels. So up until this time, God spoke to people directly himself or through prophets to whom he spoke directly in sundry ways, as well as through angels. But now he has spoken to us through his son. And this is better. He's better than angels. He made angels to be ministers to man, to do his bidding for the welfare of mankind. He made mankind a little lower than the angels. Then he became a man. He became lower than the angels for a period, time period. So verse 14 on that line says, Inasmuch then, as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. What is he talking about these children? Well, in the verses previous to this, the writer quotes from Psalm 22, which is a prophetic picture preceding Psalm 23. You don't get Psalm 23 without Psalm 22. It's not math, it's just theological. You've got the suffering Savior paying for the sins of mankind through horrible torture as described in Psalm 22. Psalm 23, we have direct access to the Lord as our shepherd. But in the midst of Psalms 22, which is a powerful lament, 
he declares, I know the Lord has heard me, and I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. We talked about that last week, how the Lord sings in our midst, how that could be, how it happens. And again, and then he quotes from Isaiah 8, I will put my trust in you, and again, here am I and the children whom God has given me. So he, he became one with us by becoming human. He became human to make us righteous. He took on our human sin to give us his righteousness. It's called the great exchange. And it's wonderful. So these children are blessed. Inasmuch as we, the children, have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. How did the devil get the power of death? Well, going back to the very beginning chapters of the Bible, there's the story of Adam and his wife, whom God had named Adam. He named her Eve after the fall, demonstrating how sin separates even husbands and wives, even the first couple. The one lie the serpent couldn't tell them was that they had married the wrong one. <laughs> so when man yielded to the temptation to eat of the forbidden fruit, he was warned by the Father, if you eat of this, you're going to die. So man ate of it because he wanted to be like God. He wanted to live by his own rules. This was the temptation. And death came into the human experience. Thus, Satan, the devil, the enemy, his kingdom, gained power over us. Being fallen angels who will be judged one day, ultimately judged, currently live forever. They live eternal. They're eternal creatures. Whereas man is finite. We live temporarily, right? Till we get the gift of eternal life. And so he lords it over the human race. Death is real. But it no longer has a hold on us. Isn't that awesome? Delina Willis is gone from her earthly suit, that she's present with the Lord. It's bye-bye body, hello Jesus. Bye-bye painful bones, hello future with the Lord. So Jesus made the way by becoming us and dying for our sins and then conquering death himself because it couldn't hold him. Satan had no legal right to hold on to him because there was no sin. And this destroyed the devil. Yes, the devil still exists, but his hold is no more. His authority, the ripple effect of Calvary, is still going on. Satan has to contend with that. Verse 15. So that he could destroy, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage, to a life of fear. Bondage is like fear. It gets a hold of you. In, in fact, pretty much all fears, I'm not sure about the fear of public speaking, how that relates to death, but pretty much all other fear relates to death. Fear of water, you chase it to its most logical conclusion. Why would I be afraid of water? I don't want to die. Afraid of heights? I don't want to 
die. It's not the fall, it's the sudden stop that kills you. <laughs> Claustrophobia, fear of closed in spaces, fear of smothering. When you smother, you die. Well, so through Christ, the fear of death is gone, and he can help people overcome their fears. My pastor had a horrible fear of bridges. His heart would just, just do weird stuff when he was near a bridge and having to go over it. He doesn't have that problem anymore. And it's related to the Lord taking the fear of death. So if you're in bondage to fear, there is hope. Pursue help. I don't want to belittle your pain. It's real, but if you get tired of it enough, you'll pursue some help. There is hope in Jesus. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels. Now back to the angels thing. God's spoken to us through his son. Before it was through prophets and through angels, but he is above the angels. But for a season, he became one of us. We're lower than angels. And he became lower than angels. But in conquering death, he doesn't provide salvation for angels. It's for us. There's no hope for the devil. This restoration of all things verse gets taken too far where even the devil is going to be reconciled. He does not, that's what some people believe, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. So this is approaching the reader who are for the most part Abraham's natural children, but as partakers of the new covenant we're Abraham's spiritual children. We've been grafted in, right? So the Lord doesn't aid or help or release from bondage angels, but he does Abraham's children. So if you're Jewish, there is hope for you to be freed because the Lord is your Savior. If you're not Jewish, you can become Abraham's seed spiritually by getting saved. Therefore, verse 17, in all things he had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. He knows what it's like. You've been betrayed, you've been robbed, you've been tortured, you've been killed, you've been maligned, you've been slandered. You've been abandoned. You're tempted to do all kinds of things when that happens, right? Revenge comes into mind. Envy tries to take a hold. The Lord's able to help you with that. He knows what it feels like. Now prior to this, he was already merciful. God was already merciful. There is the belief out there that the God of the Old Testament was mean and angry. The God of the New Testament is gentle and kind. He's the same God. And there is a huge amount of demonstrations of God's grace and mercy throughout the Old Testament. And there is, if you read the whole New Testament, there is references to God's justice and judgment. So don't belittle both aspects of God. They're all very important. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 136. Okay, let's do some responsive reading. We're going to read the first nine verses 
And then the last verse of Psalm 136. I'll read the first sentence, you read the second, okay? Of each verse. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. To Him who alone does great wonders. To Him who by wisdom made the heavens. To Him who laid out the earth above the waters. To Him who made great lights. The sun to rule by day. The moon and stars to rule by night. We got the message. Go to the last verse. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven. If that was God's character already, what in the world is he doing making himself vulnerable to us by living as a human? What's going on? He is... developing something that maybe he didn't have. Superior intelligence, right? Omniscient, knowing everything. But could he feel what it's like to be a human without becoming a human? Probably. The fact is he's demonstrating his love to us. He's becoming one of us. I'm not sure about the parallel someone made with Jesus becoming human to one of us becoming a cockroach, but the point is he did humble himself. He humbled himself as God, being above the angels and above mankind by becoming human, lower than the angels. And as a human, he humbled himself by being born a Jew, a despised race in the world at that time, and even in our time. Remember what we prayed for last Saturday? That synagogue goes under attack. As a Jew, he humbled himself by living the life of a servant, blue-collar worker, and as a blue-collar worker, he humbled himself by becoming a slave and falsely accused as a criminal, taking the place of a criminal. And as someone taking the place of a criminal, he took the place of sin. He became sin for us. Do you see the progression or the digression of humbling himself, humbling himself, humbling himself, What's the consequence of that? Thorough redemption. Not only has he paid full price for everything, but he <laughs> has seen the bottom. And no one can come to him with their blues thinking he doesn't understand. He could get off the throne and show you his back if you want to compare notes. This is the greatness of God. I'd like to talk to you today on the merciful faithfulness of Jesus. Can we say that? The he is able to aid those who are tempted. Being God and the first eternally resurrected man, our Lord frees us from fearing death. We just read this. 
Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. So when it comes to the enemy scaring us, we, we have weapons. The shield of faith to repel those fiery darts of fear. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. Is there anyone in the house that had some type of bondage that the Lord has freed you from? Yes. He, he, he does it. He's able not just to understand it, but to really understand it. He, he, went, to the, he went to the nth degree to redeem his prized creation, his children. So this is the death of death. Death still exists, but the grip on our souls is no more. If you're ever in a room with an unbeliever who dies, it's a little different experience. It can be than someone who does not know the Lord, who has everything to be afraid of. The grip of death has been broken. The death of death has happened. Just a matter of us living out our faith till the great redemption comes. Why hasn't it come yet? He's making time for everyone to have a chance to repent. So evangelicals, we have a job to do, and that is to tell people, evangelize about Jesus and God's love for them. Somehow the word evangelical has become a whole lot of other stuff. I'm not willing to abandon it. It means to be evangelistic. To tell people about the Lord, to take the Great Commission seriously. Can I get an amen? Amen. He gives aid to Abraham's descendants. For indeed, it does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. So, if some angel comes to you with a new book, a new revelation, you can rebuke that evil spirit and say, God has spoken to us in these last days through his son. And he gives us help. Jew and Gentile, the spiritual and the biological children of Abraham have a right to call on his name for help. Our Lord identifies with human, human need, humanity's need, because he has walked in our shoes. In all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation, that's reconciliation or full payment, for the sins of the people. This is why we can forgive those who sin against us even though they don't submit to God and repent. Our part is to get out of God's way and let him deal with them, right? He's paid the price for their sin, so we do not have a right to hold grudges. What helps us to not hold grudges is to put ourselves in the shoes of somebody else, to develop some empathy. You know, there's apathy, there's sympathy, and there's empathy. But the Lord is beyond those three things. Obviously, apathy is not his thing. 
There's psychopathy also. <laughs> the Lord is compassionate. Compassion is sorrow for the misfortune of another accompanied by a strong desire to relieve the pain and remove the cause. That's more than empathy, more than sympathy. You can go online and take an empathy test. Has anybody done that? If you're below 30, you're autistic. <laughs> Highest score is 80, I scored 34. <laughs> My kid said, Dad, you've been pastoring too long. <laughs> the point is, empathy's great, but it doesn't do anything. Compassion moves us to action, right? And the Lord's compassion moves him to action. During our fellowship time in the background, you may have recognized the tune, Walk a Mile on My Shoes, written by Joe South and the Believers. They recorded it in 1970. Numerous people also recorded it, Jerry Lee Lewis, Elvis, and others. Uh, lyrics are, if I could be you and you could be me for just one hour, if we could find a way to get inside each other's mind, if you could see you through my eyes instead of your ego, I believe you'd be surprised to see that you've been blind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Before you abuse, criticize, and accuse, walk a mile in my shoes. Who remembers this song? Your whole world around you is just a reflection, and the common law says you're going to reap just what you sow. So unless you live the life of total perfection, you better be careful of every stone you throw. Yet we spend the day throwing stones at one another because I don't think or wear my hair the same way you do. No, I don't. I may be common. I may be common people, but I'm your brother. When you strike out and try to hurt me, it's hurting you. There are people on reservations out in the ghettos. And brother, there before the grace of God go you and I. If I only had the wings of little eagles, don't you know I'd fly to the top of the mountain and then I'd cry, walk a mile in my shoes, walk a mile in my shoes before you accuse, criticize and abuse, walk a mile in my shoes. The Lord walked miles in our shoes. Having suffered, he is wanting to help us. Not just because his mercy endures forever, but his mercy is even greater now than perhaps it was before. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he's able to aid those who are tempted. Now think with me. When we're tempted to do wrong and we yield to it, how strong does that temptation have to get before we crumble, right? The Lord never crumbled. So he felt all temptation at full strength and conquered it. So he has the trophy. <laughs> he has the ribbon. He is able to inspire you and I to conquer our temptations. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote, there's no temptation taken us except what is common to man. And God is faithful, who will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So while he, stood, while he stood his ground and didn't buckle, we can't stand our ground with some temptations. That's why we look for the way of escape and get away from it. Right? 
If alcohol is a temptation, don't go to a liquor store and buy a Coke. It's bad enough temptation going to the grocery store. Stay away from those things that tempt you. Jesus said, if your right hand tempts you to sin, cut it off. Be severe with the things that tempt you. That's the point he's making. But himself, he didn't run from nobody unless they were wanting to kill him and he knew he needed some more time so he, he knew how to escape those situations. In nursing home care are professionals that I really appreciate. My experience with them when my dad was at Granbury Care Center here is just like, wow. Awesome human beings serve the senior citizens in our community. There are some nursing homes that have an exercise that they use to develop empathy in their employees. It's called an empathy suit or an aging outfit where a person puts on coveralls, their joints are, are wrapped in heavy bandage, bandages of, stuff, of sorts and their shoes are real heavy where it's hard to walk, it's hard to stand up straight, they wear goggles where they can't see well and then they're forced to sit, they're forced to walk around and all they want to do is sit down wearing this thing. And when they finally let them sit down, they have them fill out forms with tiny print. <laughs> with pins that don't work. So they know what it feels like to be one of their patients. I wish I had one of those suits. He'd be a volunteer to wear one. Well, when all else fails, look for a video. Here we go. I can't really bend my arms very well. I can see like things that are close up to me, but it, everything is really yellow. I can come up and I can collect your form now. Just hearing her, it's really muffled. Thank there you, Lexi. If you want to have a seat, we'll call you back up shortly. Oh, my arms are heavy, my legs are heavy. <laughs> I really didn't want to go back and sit down. <laughs> can we just move on with it? So I, as the healthcare provider, what could I have done differently to help you, or what did I do that really did not help you at all? <laughs> if you had come and grabbed the, the um, sheet of paper from me, um, the intake form, instead of having me walk up to the, to the desk and then sit back down and then come back up again. All right, this is gonna be challenging. I feel like I could, I could work up a sweat just tying just tying the back of my gown here. Ugh. Yeah, and just lie as flat as you can. Wow, that is uncomfortable. It feels like I'm in a really uncomfortable cocoon. <laughs> the other thing you could have helped me with is just walking down the hall. I just did not know where you were. It feels like you're cut off from everybody else. Our Lord did that for us. for you and me. So it's not because you're worthy that you can go to Him, but because you're loved. 
that you can go to him. He's worthy. He made himself worthy. He's already worthy, but he made himself worthy of being the most compassionate high priest anyone could even dream of. The next verse in the next chapter talks about how Jesus is greater than Moses. We won't get into that today, but he's faithful. Like Mo Moses was faithful. He's the meekest man that ever lived to heed the call of God at the age of 80. And for 40 years, he just ran out of gas one day and struck the rock when he shouldn't have. The, you know, I've been meek long enough. Well, that was it. It was time to call him home. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the holy calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as also Moses was faithful. Jesus was the rock that was struck once for all on the cross and beforehand. And now he's risen from the dead to be a faithful high priest. And he will not waste his sacrifice by withholding the mercy he purchased for you and I. Seeing him as this kind of priest gives us confidence. You want to go to a priest? His name is Jesus. We're little priests. We serve under him, the priesthood of the believer is a reality, but we serve under the great high priest, the most merciful high priest. Chapter 4 says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He was tempted in every way, but he didn't sin. Therefore, we should all boldly approach God's throne of grace for help with our needs. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is our Not just for the heathen, but for the believer. The gospel is good news for us all. <laughs> I grew up in a denomination that used the gospel to get you in the kingdom, and then here comes a legalism to keep you straight. We need the gospel all the time, folks. This is Charles F. Weigel, born in the late 19th century became a mighty evangelist, served in the same era as Billy Sunday. And in the 20s, he came home from one of his evangelistic campaigns to find his wife gone. He was 61 years old. She says, I'm tired of being in the evangelistic ministry. I'm done. I'm divorcing you. He was heartbroken. He was despondent. He became suicidal. What about my ministry? How can I ever go again? But he went to the throne of grace. And in the years that followed, he ministered for 30 plus more years, lived into his 90s, preaching. 
impacting young people. And wrote a song that's been translated in more languages than I know of called No One Ever Cared for Me Like Jesus. In the wake of her departure, one of his revivals was in a community where Billy Sunday had no fruit. In fact, Billy contacted him and says, do not go to that town. It's a waste of time. He said, Billy, God told me to go. He went and preached for two weeks without giving an altar call. He just preached. And when the Lord led him to, he did the first altar call. was on a Sunday morning. 300 people responded. And that night, 200 responded. Things were happening. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cares for me. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus. Since I found in him a friend so strong and true, I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cares for me. All my life was full of sin when Jesus found me. All my heart was full of misery and woe. Jesus placed his strong and loving arms about me, and he led me in the way I ought to go. And it's in hymnals all over the world as, as well. And unless you went to a whole hymnal church, maybe you never heard this verse. Every day he comes to me with new assurance. More and more I understand his words of love. But I'll never know just why he came to save me till someday I see his blessed face above. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you are our merciful, faithful high priest. And I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters who are struggling with life's trials caused by others or even caused by temptation, getting the upper hand. I pray, Lord, you would encourage them today in Jesus' name to come boldly to you when they're the least worthy they've ever felt in their life. That's the time to run. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a guest speaker we had here a couple years ago. In fact, we had him two different times. Love for him to come back, named Dan Moeller. And in his meetings, one of the services, he always prays for the sick, people that are afflicted with things that they caused. Everything from herpes, from using dirty needles, to injuries, from driving drunk. He has seen God impact people's lives. So if someone told you you're doomed, <laughs> it's not true. We have a Savior. Amen. A faithful, merciful high priest. Amen. When I was young, you called my name. I tried to run, but still you came And you stepped into the dark Because it's just the kind of God you are
when heaven seems beyond my reach you still see eternity in me you're turning ashes into art because that's just the kind of god you are it's in the empty tomb it's on the rugged cross your death defying love is written in your scars you never quit on me you always hold my heart because that's the kind of god you are you gave me freedom from my sin you told me i could start again all the hurt is dead and gone now we're daughters and your sons amazing grace how sweet the sound we once were lost but now we're found forever you hold us in your heart because that's just the kind of god you are it's in the empty tomb it's on the rugged cross your death defying love is written in your scars you'll never quit on me you always hold my heart because that's the kind of god you are it's in the empty tomb it's on the rugged cross your death defying love is written in your scars you'll never quit on me you always hold my heart because that's the kind of god you are you are holy 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 high and set apart you are holy 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 god that's who you are when i was young you called my name i tried to run but still you came and you stepped into the dark Cause that's just the kind of God you are It's in the empty tomb It's on the rugged cross Your death defying love Is written in your scars You'll never quit on me You'll always hold my heart Cause that's the kind of God you are are holy you are holy 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 high and set apart you are holy 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 god that's who you are Tried to run, but still you came. 
and you stepped into the dark, cause that's just the kind of God you are.